Welcome to Trim the Water. My name's Aaron David. And wow, is there a world between last day of Mars and this day of Mars? Um, essentially, uh, <clears throat> I've realized a huge missing piece now that I've got that. Look, I'm not good at math, but I just never broken down how to get to 10% within around a month. And there's several ducks to line up around that. You've got to look at your uh, what leverage you're using, which uh, FTMO generally, the normal uh, normal uh, account, not an aggressive account, it uses one to one hundred leverage. And uh, you got to look at you know risk to reward and uh, measure that out with sizing. And um, there's there's several things to uh to look at i just had not got those sorted in my head you know you would think i would have with the eight challenges all i knew is i had to get to a thousand dollars in around 30 days and uh beyond that you know i really hadn't broken the math down too much and uh i realized it came to about two 250 a week but it still, that wasn't the forethought in my mind. I was looking at other things. I was occupied with other things, getting caught up in, in technical stuff and chasing rabbits and stuff. So uh, basically, uh, looking back over the month two coursework, core content, there it was. I had forgotten about it. The risk model to get me there to 10%. And uh, so now I'm implementing that. And it's easy. It's easy. Oh my God, it's so easy. You know, I'd been shooting for these like three, $300, $400 trades, day trades over, over a number of days. Like um, I'd been shooting too big, uh, trying to shoot, take down too big a game for where I am at developmentally. And I I constantly forget, you know, what I am, um, which I'm somebody that likes bullet chess and like sit and go rounds of poker with like three, three to a table is a sit and go winner take all. Um, I'm good at that. I can be really aggressive. And if I try to pull off that same aggression, in a poker tournament, I'll burn out uh, with like, you know, nine other or nine people or whatever at a poker table. Uh, and you've got like, I don't know, 70, 80 tables running and you're trying to uh, come out in a, in a top position. You cannot take the same aggression. Uh, you cannot take the same level of risk that you can at that table with three other people. So in the markets, um, I guess the best way I could describe it is lightning strikes. And you know how you'll get an arc and then you'll get branches off of that arc that are smaller and then branches off of that. And it's kind of like this fractal. Um, That is what markets are like. That's what market structure is like. And I am best. I am exceptionally good at those small lightning strikes. But I couldn't see. I was I was thinking like, 
I've got to get to a thousand dollars. I've got to have, you know, home run trades or, or at least doubles. You know, I've got to hit doubles. Um, when in reality, I've, I've said I'm not good at math. I've just now come to this conclusion. All I need, all I need is fifty dollars a day, and I could do that in my sleep. Um, like it's already done for today, done. And so I am best at catching those, those small branches off of the main lightning strike. The ones that happen really quickly and just kind of disappear and dissipate. I'm really good at capturing those. Uh, so, you know, you don't have to have long-term direction of market. All you have to have is a small range uh, to work within and with the tools I've gathered for mentorship um, you know EOFED institutional order flow entry drills and uh, with some things like you know really exceptional tools from the mentorship now understanding how to implement them uh, towards $50 a day I feel like it's arrived it's finally here that was the last piece of the puzzle. Um, one of the last pieces. One of the last pieces. The other is actually sticking to the strategy and <laughs> not, not doing idiotic things that are not the strategy. But uh, now that I have this, now that I see, dude, stop trying to get three, four, five hundred dollars in one trade. Dude, just get $50 in one trade and come back tomorrow. Like, seriously, I have been, you know, Kelly says I overcomplicate things. Somebody will ask me a simple question and I'll go on for like half an hour because there are so many nuances within the answer that I feel like I have to explain the totality of these different factors and it just becomes this confusing mess and I ended up confused. (laughs) And that's just how I do. That's how I do. That's why, you know, you know uh, somebody that asks me a question, like 20 seconds into it, they realize they've made a mistake. <laughs> so I'm overcomplicating. I'm overcomplicating. My God, man. All you have to do is uh, half a percent a day. $50 a day. And some days are going to be maybe a little under that. Some days will be far over that. Uh, But now that I know that's all I got to do. Jesus. Why have I been making this so difficult? So now that I've I've got this, what is the last piece? uh, Immediately, now that I realize I'm going to do it, uh, I'm terrified. Uh, because I realize I'm going to do it. And uh, <clears throat> on, a, on a time scale, we're, we're running right about on time for how this should play out. All of this was started <clears throat> by uh, my magical journey and magical initiation and all of this. And uh, I've always thought in the back of my mind, all of this has some point. It probably doesn't even really have to do with me. 
and because I, I don't have children and you know how am I going to spend all this money that I'm going to get for being a professional trader uh, an exceptional professional trader <laughs> you know trained by the mentor of your mentor <laughs> Uh, I know the guys I've been watching, they get terrified when it comes, you know, they've worked so hard towards this and have had just this one vision, uh, of making it, of becoming a successful, consistently profitable trader. You know, they've worked for on it for years and then it comes overnight. It comes, it seems like it's overnight, but in reality, this is something This has been a struggle. This has been a huge, long struggle. You know, it's like Conan in the desert on that tree. Conan the Barbarian, you know? Yeah, that's... Oh, God, that's such a good scene. Such a good scene. (laughs) So, uh... (laughs) When it happens, it scares the shit out of them. You know, all of a sudden... They've got more money than they've ever had in their life. And it doesn't stop coming. Does not stop coming. So I'm already feeling tension from that. I, I can feel it coming. And I'm a little scared. And so I know that I've got to plan for it now. And uh, I mean, there's obvious things like an accountant and somebody to handle the taxes Uh, properly. You can even call the IRS and have them do your taxes over the phone, which, you know, I want to make certain there's so many traders get in trouble for tax evasion and and stuff. Uh, That that's, that's going to have to be, you know, number one priority, an accountant familiar with uh, Forex traders in the United States. It's going to be something rare. Uh, everywhere else, this is easier to do forex trading. Uh, so, two, there's uh, what put me on this path, and that was the magical initiations. Uh, I've often kind of thought that this money coming has a purpose that isn't really mine, but it is because uh, this is what my true will is and uh, even though I may not consciously I'm, I'm slow to catch on <laughs> what the hell's going on I realize that uh, there's a need to right now figure it out uh, quick and so I found it um, there's a culmination of, of these thoughts and feelings over the years and you know, going back to my prophecies of the Pentecostal charismatics that, and family that around when I was, before I was born, there was prophecies being said over me. Of course, this happens to everybody in Pentecostal charismatic circles. You're going to get a prophecy if you hang around. <laughs> but uh, it was just always felt you know, that I was going to go into ministry and I always felt like that. And, uh, so now where are we? Um, I still feel like that the spiritual ideals that my mom and dad were attaining to, 
um, they may have only had this modern capitalistic uh, televangelist Christian Pentecostalism. They only only may have had that as the form uh, to pursue the higher spiritual reality through. And I know that both of them have experienced uh, spiritual stuff in their lifetime. I think of my dad, and uh, one time he had this vision of this guy dying and uh, you know, his family. He had a wife and son, and uh, it impacted him so much that he went to them and told them. And um, maybe that was so they could prepare or something, but shortly after, that man had a heart attack and died. He was very young, and uh, there his family was, you know. I'm sure he was the, uh, this was the 80s, I'm sure he was the guy making making the dough. Uh, I'll always remember that. And that was at a time my dad was going to the church every single morning before dawn and praying and really like pushing in and from within that you know this this vision unfolded and then him feeling the need to go tell them and then it actually happening so I was like you know that's an example of one of the experiences you know it, it's weird growing up pen, around Pentecostals you know let me tell you it, it there's a lot there's a lot going on. <laughs> There's a lot going on. Uh, especially if you see a lot of its shadow projection. It totally makes sense that the, that the in this legalistic religion, there's, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on. But um, I say that to uh, say that I don't feel that my spiritual pursuits are all that much different from my parents even though the the structure the form may be a bit different and I call myself hermetic and um, I believe that what I was initiated into I can simply call the golden dawn and I say that because uh, that's what uncle uh, the spirit I call uncle he referred to it as Uh, so I I'm going to refer to it as that as well. And, you know, I don't think of the Golden Dawn as a an brick-and-mortar place that was, uh, you know, founded by these Victorian weirdos. <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, you know, look at Mathers and... Uh, uh, what is the other guy's name? His name's escaped me. But the the woman, it was one of their wives. Um, that, they all had to be autistic. I swear to God. But anyway, uh, I don't see them uh, or anybody else. I, the order, it's like something more out of Twin Peaks. You know, they are not the order. Uh, these Victorians or these silly magical orders uh, that come and go and all sorts of drama play out within just like churches uh, that's that's not that's not the the that's the outer stuff um, the inner stuff is way weirder uh, 
and I, I want to I want to kind of touch upon this by reading from Pat Zaluski's Golden Dawn Rituals and Commentaries. Um, in it, he's talking about acceptance of the candidate. Now, this is going to be from within the context of a magical order and um, them considering uh, candidates. Now, I want to juxtapose this. Again, they're, they're different context but not really uh how it's presented kind of seems different but they're really kind of talking about the same thing jake stratton kent uh in pandemonium has that bit on bernard and i've read it before and he he describes it as uh bernard's the inspector general of black magic and sorcery he's got a lot of other names and uh, he is the guy behind uh, the witch's sabbat. And literally the inspector general. Or you could maybe say literally Resh. Literally the head. Uh, we're talking about secret chief. <laughs> the, the big one. <laughs> uh, so anyway, with that in mind... And within mind that uh, my experience with the first initiation, Venus, uh, every part of it resembled a witch's sabbat. I mean, the black goat was there. I mean, <coughs> that's what scared the hell out of me about it so bad. Um, I was like, good God, this is not, you know, why? What the hell? <laughs> But uh, I think now that that is not an uncommon, I would say uncommon. There are other people that have had the same experience uh, alive today. And uh, yeah, I'm going to go ahead and read this. Acceptance of the candidate. Again, this is Pat Zalewski. The acceptance of a candidate for a Golden Dawn AO or Stella Matutina uh, varied to a certain degree. Wherever possible, the candidate was first interviewed by a panel of members. This was followed by an astral investigation, which was performed by a clairvoyant member of the temple. Usually, this person was one of the chiefs or a person sufficiently high enough in the order and nominated by the chiefs to astrally investigate the candidate. During the later years of Stella Matutina, this practice fell into abeyance. A good documented example of this is shown in the Sword of Wisdom, where Ithil Kolkahun tried to become a member of an Ao temple, which I assume was in the early 1930s, under the chieftainship of Mrs. Wire. Where? A few nights after applying to join the temple, Mrs. Kolkahun underwent an experience that she termed an invasion where she experienced an impersonal force coming into contact with her in which she termed the power of why. After this experience, she was refused membership to the Ao Temple. To most people who understand any type of psychic activity, this is relatively straightforward enough. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so there's kind of this question, was it one of the Golden Dawn uh, members was it a secret chief or what is exactly 
visiting people and checking them out uh, when they request to be part of the Golden Dawn. Uh, that should send chills down somebody's spine. <laughs> uh, it's not, it's not um, isolated. And uh, I wish that the records uh, could be kind of organized from all of these, you know, people like the AA and uh, Golden Dawn, if, if all of the experiences could be put into some kind of uh, filing system and accessed by category, I think we would see something extraordinary uh, and something probably terrifying to most people. Uh, but to people who just readily, you know, acknowledge the secret chiefs <laughs> and stuff like this, it's not a big deal. And it's like, of course, uh, you know, Paul called these principalities and powers. Uh, so yeah, uh, we go to, you know, Keyscale 26 Capricorn listed magical power is power of the evil eye and the power of the so-called witches Sabbath. Um, it's interesting. There's that so-called witches Sabbath. Um, meaning that there is a misnomer there in some way. So what is the witch's Sabbath? Well, going back to Jake Stratton Kent, uh, with Bernard as the inspector general, that's what it is. It's an inspection. So you want to go join the Golden Dawn? Um... You know, that's my conclusion. After sitting with this thing for, let's see, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, five years, almost six, coming up on six. That's what I have to conclude. So I want to go to uh, my journal. Um, this is probably around 2016. Performed LIRP, NPR, I spoke with my natal angel. I could almost see his outline. Then I saw a scene of the forest. There were beams of sunshine breaking through morning mists. A building, temple. People were walking along the path. I turned to my right, a large monst within the forest. I hope to someday live there. When I read that, I recognized something. Um, you know, I talked about how the path forward is constructed of little synchronistic stepping stones that come together. And that was one of them. Finding that in my journal um, came together with some other things in my mind and a way forward uh, was shown and just like it was shown um, way back after the Venus initiation uh, before Kelly and I got together uh, she, it was before she moved here uh, we decided we were going to move in together and um, 
I was looking at places. She would send me a place to look at and I would go drive there and check it out and talk to the person and see if we wanted to move there or not. So I went to a a few of those places and then I came to Mars Hill, a place on Paint Fork Road that used to be a cattle ranch. And when I got there and drove up the road, I knew that this was the place. I knew it immediately. And it turns out that it was. And we would move there, and the next initiation I would do would be into the sphere of Yesod, the moon. And that was because um, prior to any of this happening, in my journal, uh, I wrote a dream. And the dream was of walking up this country road onto this farm, coming in the field, and day turning to night before my eyes, the moon becoming visible, the stars becoming visible, and a false moon in front of the real moon. And um, as soon as I stepped foot on that property on, in Mars Hill, I knew that was the place from my dream. And because the moon was so prevalent in that, uh, that's the initiation that I did. That was my second trithemian initiation. And the rest of the uh, initiations would be carried out there on that property. And uh, the first charm of the water was a record of all of that. As sloppy as it was, as messy, and um, that's what, you know, growth looks like. Uh, and there were some amazing, amazing things that happened there. And I'll always have a special place, and I know Kelly will too, for that property and for that land and for the spirits on it and for what we experienced there. Uh, but now here we are again, and there's a, a different vision for the future now. And I know that when this money comes in, I know, I know where it's going to go. Uh, that journal entry that I just read you, that's it. Um, I want to build a temple somewhere. I don't know where, uh, again, we'll have to go, you know, listen for these synchronistic events, uh, <laughs> to find the way forward. But we've made so much progress, and I'm so happy, and um, I just feel such a relief um, that knowing all of these things, uh, having lived it, um, there's just such purpose. And me seeing people walking the path, I think that clearly defines what the temple is for. Um, I don't know if I will outright call it a Golden Dawn Temple or if I'll call it something else. I don't know a lot of the details around it other than there will be a temple. And uh, to the right of that, there will be my house. Uh, That's what I know. I know for a fact, and I'm telling you here now because it will be so. And I'm excited about that. I feel like finally, 
finally, we're here. So, really, uh, those old prophecy by those people who are, most of them are probably dead now, uh, that they told my mother, you know, I'm so happy that in this world, you know, my mom can't see what I am and I can't really tell her what I am because she wouldn't understand, um, you know, her time, you know, just different. Uh, But I know that somewhere else, uh, all of this will be understood. And that makes me uh, very happy. And I understand it now. Uh, And that makes me happier. (laughs) And I think my dad is very much a part part of all this. He's been in so many um, key places and times popping up. Even at a time where uh, I was, you know, not expecting anything, somebody that listened to the podcast, you know, messaged me and told me this, like, detailed dream they had about my dad. And what they said totally made sense uh, as to who my dad was as a person. And to if I could see him doing anything in the world right now, it would have been what the person told me he was doing. Uh, totally makes sense. <laughs> so with that, uh, I'm going to be about the business. Um, I think it should start now. Uh, I think this is very early, but I think it should start now. And I feel like... I want... Well, what I'm doing is exploring the neophyte uh, ritual um, and and the Golden Dawn and really going back and seeing uh, how I didn't know what the hell was going on when I was saying the from the big green book, the Cicero's self-initiation, that neophyte ceremony. I didn't know what the hell was going on with it. I just remember being confused at all of this this uh, verbiage, this prose, and like, you know, what is all of this? And now looking over it, um, it makes, you know, it's extraordinarily pregnant with meaning. And so I think it is very special, uh, the neophyte ceremony. And you know, going back to that, people walking the path, how can I make that happen? Uh, without being uh, what happens to preachers. <laughs> you know, if you've read Dune Messiah, <laughs> all these people critiquing Dune as Frank Herbert's, uh, you know, white man comes to the Middle East. You know, they obviously have not read beyond the first novel, but uh, how to achieve that uh, in a practical way? Well, I know one thing uh, that's uh, going to be a huge part of the plan. It's going to be tax exempt. Um, 
So in America, it's very hard uh, to be successful if you have to pay taxes like everybody else. And that's why, you know, lately in the news, there was that huge breaking story about all of these wealthy people uh, having moving their money offshore uh, to avoid taxes. So just disgusting. Um, but if you can do it legally, you know, it is legal. And uh, I... I I have to have my most immediate concerns in mind. I can't, you know, plan out America's future, uh, the future children of America. You know, I've got to deal with, you know, what I got to deal with in this lifetime that I have and the power to impact what I can. And maybe those people that I impact, they can deal with all that, all that other stuff, you know, and, and you know. whatever they're called to do. I don't know. I don't know how to fix all this stuff. And I'm not concerned with fixing all this stuff uh, because I know that there there are... uh, That's above my pay grade. I know somebody's handling it. And everything's okay. (laughs) All right, so until next time.